0: hello there this is how to murder time a podcast about books and things hello everybody hello there i remembered to say hello again i'm doing better at this <laughs> you're a welcome contribution hello um yes this week we are talking about the city and the city this is uh this is the 2010 joint winner which was an odd an odd week an odd year in which two 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 books won the prize at the same time this is one of them this is the the city by china Mieville. Uh, I, I picked this one because I thought, well, I read it about six months ago and I've really got a lot on at the moment readers. So uh, I wanted one I'd already done fairly recently. But also I thought it was really quite a, a fascinating and interesting thing in in and of itself. Um, Shall I read the back of the book? Of course. Yeah, here we go. Uh, if we recognise the book. On the back of it. <laughs> uh, China Mill de- delivers his most accomplished novel yet, an existential thriller taken to dazz- dazzling, metaphysical and artistic heights. When the body of a murdered woman is found in the extraordinary, decaying city of Bejel. Yep, close enough. (laughs) Somewhere at the edge of Europe, it looks like a routine case for Inspector Tyodor Borleu of the Extreme Crime Squad. But as he probes, the evidence begins to point to conspiracies far stranger and more deadly than anything he could have imagined. Soon his work puts him and those he cares for in danger, and Borloo must travel to the only metropolis on Earth as strange as his own, across a border like no other. Hmm. Um, right, yeah, we're going to well, open the show with, with a massive apology for, for pronunciation mangling because there's a lot of strange little thingies about letters credit, and stuff.
1: Credit for the person who wrote the back of that book. I think they did read the book, <laughs> and I think they were struggling to I think we're doing well. co- to condense the story as much as Tim was later on. When oh, still, wrote it's the, not easy, yeah. The plot. Our,
0: yes. our pre show notes. So I was trying to type <laughs> up the basic the basic plot for this thing because Wikipedia was singularly unhelpful this time. Um, and yes, it's, it's quite and, a complicated and, book. And
1: sadly, tim didn't go with our brilliant uh, collection of we spent the afternoon crowdsourcing it
0: yes you you had a much more concise interpretation of events which i think to my to my looking seems to more mirror one of the intermediate star wars films but you know it's all good so it's it's a subjective thing we all take away from this whatever we do it's
1: there's four words and it tells you the entire plot it's dead body conspiracy wizard
0: wizard. (laughs) So yes, this is, I suppose, essentially a police procedural, uh, but also with, a, with a, an enormous duh dollop of magical realism, is that what they call it, or, or urban fantasy, or it is one of these books that really does sort of make you scratch your head trying to pigeonhole and trying to define. Um, of course, China may have known previously for much larger uh, sort of steampunky fantasy type works. Um, this is much more of a contemporary thing. It is literally, it is supposedly set in you know the modern real world of Earth, but a sort of unnamed made-up city somewhere in eastern europe um and yeah it's essentially a, a, a kind of who done murder mystery procedural drama about which he currently wrote because his his mother really likes that, that that medium that that form so it was written partly for her
1: well we'll have to thank her because from what i understand of writing this is the most uh it's sort of easy to dive into of his books
0: it's certainly a lot less well i don't know yes and no i mean we'll get to that as <laughs> we go through um, but it, yeah let's find out what you thought of it all then yeah torag so what, oh, are, right. what are your initial impressions okay though,
1: initial impressions it has two big things going for it it's a really good world build which i know tim you love mm, and mm. i really enjoyed it in this case yes. as well an unusual also, one as well yeah absolutely and it's really clever and, and sort of Yes. delicately put together. but One as of well, the main reasons I picked it. But as well as that, it's got a really good police procedural who done it, mm. And both of them are good enough to carry the book. And you have both. But if, you get, if you get distracted or tired of one, there's something else to fall back on. And so they do sort of, of play into
0: each other as well. They sort of ping pong backwards and yeah. forwards, yeah.
1: Did really well. Kept me interested. I enjoyed it far, far more than I expected. I really thought this was extremely well written and a really good book.
0: Mm. John, what did you make of it all?
1: Uh,
2: at the heart of this book, we, we will get onto in a bit. I mm. assume mm. is an extremely yeah. ludicrous idea, which uh, <laughs> unfortunately dispute, no. has really uncomfortable uh, consequences when you start thinking about it in the real life. The, the, mm. the book as a whole really reminded me of Philip K. Dick. It's a sort of book he would have written, and Mm. of course, because of that, I absolutely love this book. Uh, It it is my
1: kind of book. uh, Excellent.
0: So, yeah, Tim's
1: now at a loss because he's used to (laughs) when he's chosen a book.
0: Feel like i'm attacked for the entire time <laughs> usually of it's an uphill struggle usually i feel like i'm i feel like i'm throwing my weight against an unlocked door here at the moment but okay um well let's let's have a quick run through the well i say quick let's uh try and untangle and unravel what is i'll, I'll say now it's quite a complicated and involved narrative with a lot going on all way through it. It. it's four yeah. bullet points <laughs> maybe i would over overread too much into this i don't know uh, okay, so yeah, it is it, it's a it's told from it's a first person narrative told from the perspective of Inspector Tyodor Borlu of the extreme crimes squad of of bez Bejel, bezel Bejel. I, I only I've only I've only seen these written down and I've never heard them whereas I think uh, John's got John had the audiobook version yeah, it so. really helped. <laughs> You'll have all the pronunciations down. Do correct me as I go, but but yeah, Bajel is one city in in Europe, in, in, in unnamed, made up sort of contemporary modern day city in, East, in somewhere in Eastern Europe, and. T- Tidal Borloo is, is essentially a detective in their sort of CID, in their homi- hom- homicide squad, and uh, a body, uh, the body of a woman is, t- it turns up on a, in a sort of, you know, in a disused playground in in one of the, one of the sort of run down estates of this city. And he's oh, no, no, it's not.
2: It's a new playground.
0: Is it? Yes there's a uh, yes, new skate park yes.
2: that becomes quite important.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it's, So there's a, there's a, a body of a woman. <laughs> woman found in some rubble and stuff, and the investigation begins from there. It's, it's very much the sort of cold open from almost any, you know, CSI mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, Midsummer Murders. It's you know, the, the, the body and the detective, and off we go. Um, and so the investigation begins. And so it initially opens with, you know, the usual kind of leg work, the detective work. He's got an assistant called Cal Calry. Is it Kelry Calry? Corey. 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 Paul. Cowry, yeah. I don't Um, know. Whatever, let's not get bogged down. It's it's close close enough. enough. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yes, he's got an assistant in the sort of, you know, Mawson Lewis type Thing going on there, the sort of banter going on. She's like more a sort of beat detect, uh, beat constable who's been sort of drafted into help and so on because she's got knowledge of the local red light district and the working girls and so on. And they initially think that she's just a sort of murdered prostitute type of thing, you know, regrettable but standard day to day sort of thing. But bits and pieces of bits and pieces of it don't add up. None of the working girls of the area know this woman. Never seen her before. Mm-hmm. She points out that no 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 hooker would actually wear makeup like that, you know. But the little clues, little detect. just just at
1: the beginning you've got this set in an old sort of old eastern european city yeah but you've got a female detective or a female policewoman Mm. who he treats like she's a you know an equal yes and he gets rid of the other people he's working with because they're idiot idiot thugs yes And and that sort of made it feel more modern than i was expecting it to be Given it's set in Eastern Europe, and I was thinking Cold War, it's going to be nineteen seventies, and mm-hmm. everyone's going to be wearing grey the entire time. Well, it's
0: it's theoretically set in the, the modern day, but mm. the the city itself and the sort of the, the the little city state of Bezel is 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 said to be sort of particularly behind the times, and yeah. so they're still and, dealing and with eighties technology and so on.
2: It's been around a thousand years or so, isn't it? And yeah, uh, but as it goes through, it mentions uh, stuff like when they're looking at tapes, it was oh, it's VHS. Instead of DVD, but yeah. then they mention iPods and things, and, and Google They're aware gets the outside world windows. exists
0: and they're aware of you know far, far away real yeah. countries like America yeah. so and it, Europe and so on. As
2: you're reading through it, you get your date of when it is. You initially mm. assume it's uh older, and then it gets closer and closer and closer to the modern day as it goes through, and I think that might have been deliberate.
0: Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> so you get this scene setting thing going on with the sort of very standard, very conventional, I suppose, the sorts of things you'd expect from the opening of a, of a police detective story. You know, the with the legwork, the talking to contacts, the trying to puzzle it out and stuff, but increasingly through this section you're getting these sudden shots and little glances of something quite odd going on as well in relation to the other city which you know, is in uh, this there is there's another city and initially it's sort of presented as if they like twin towns or you know two different cities over the same across the bridge from the same river or something like that and this other city is called Olkoma, uh, <laughs> yes, whatever yep yeah. Um, and that, but then as you're going through, you're getting sort of weird flashes of, of. I think the very first, the very first bit you get to see is that he sees a woman who isn't on the street. He's yeah, you know, he's on the street and he sees a woman who, who isn't there. And you start to think, well, oh, hang on, is this some sort of is he hallucinating or something?" But then you know, because you're inside his head and he's you know monologuing his own thoughts and explaining his own world as he goes to you, as, as you know, as the narrator as well. You start to get this weird thing about crosshatch areas and alter totality, gross topic, and all these weird, strange words coming mm. out. It
1: turns out that there are two cities that are magically in the same place
0: yeah yeah the two cities are literally in exactly the same place but there are certain regions of the city that are one city and regions and the other city and and the inhabitants of either for, for reasons uh, <laughs> do not let themselves see they literally they see they see if they see something in the other city they then make themselves unsee it and it's a sort of self-trained mechanism that's so so sort of so drilled into them that they do it almost subconsciously and that's this, so obviously the city and the city of the title drop going on there mm. um, yeah
1: was was I think very, John, very peculiar John disagrees with me on the fact that it's a magical city that's also in the same place as this city
0: well, yeah, we we'll get to that, I'm sure. <laughs> so, yeah, they got these two cities going side by side, and, and and he he lives in one, and the murders happened in one. And he's doing his detective work in one. He puts a load of posters up, you know. Have you seen this woman? Your photo of it? because they don't know who she is. No one knows who she is. Then he gets a he gets a strange phone call, sort of tipping off some clues as to the identity of this woman, where she comes from, and so on. And this phone the phone call says that. Yeah, the, 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 it's an anonymous phone call, but the bloke says that the woman lives in the other city. And you know, here he says, and the, and the reason he knows that is because he saw one of the posters, and that freaks him out because this is this is technically what they call breach, which is basically trans yeah, crossing from one city to the other. He's seeing something in the other city, or or, or you know, going there, or taking stuff from one city to another, are uh, uh, absolutely pr- prohibited. And and Borlu sort of pr- pr- sort of describes this as being such a such a heinous crime that it ranks way above murder or any any other conventional you know crime that you you or I would think of this 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 crime of breach capital b
1: mm. <clears throat> and the mythical breach that comes and steals yeah, your there children. Are, if
0: there is a, yeah. a powerful mythical supernatural sort of force that polices breach and and doesn't take no for an answer and answers to no one, uh, and so everyone, you know through through a sense of fear, I suppose more than anything else, desperately tries to avoid breaching. And, and it, yeah, it is considered more of a crime to breach than to murder someone, which becomes quite relevant throughout this investigation. Anyway, so this sort of sets them off on. I don't quite know how that sort of sets them. Off on this this other sort of track of investigation because they'd all come to a, a sort of dead end with it. All. I think they found they find the van, do they?
1: He he reckons that if it was breach, then there are some vans that go between the two cities. Yeah, and well, therefore,
0: they found <coughs> forensic evidence he, of, a, of the interior of a van that she'd been bouncing around in. So obviously she'd been driven from somewhere else where she'd been murdered and dumped there, but. Yeah, they, they start to think, hang on, this van probably came from the other place. If she was murdered in the other place and dumped in this city, that is technically breach, which means oh, yeah. that they can then pass all their evidence up the chain and someone yeah. else has to deal and, with
2: and it. And they get rid of the case and it'll be handled by breach and breach are a lot more efficient at actually... Bringing people to justice in a yeah. certain style sort of above our, our, our pay grade yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, you know, if it's just a hooker who's been killed, then no one's going to really care. But if it's breach, then the murder will get solved.
0: So they pass it up the chain to the sort of city government and so on. And then that, that then sort of triggers a kind of meeting in this central place where both, both cities are allowed to have contact with each other. This kind of checkpoint Charlie type building with council chambers in and a big tunnel underneath where people, where the visitors can actually lawfully non-breaching pass between the two cities, even though this building is in the same is essentially the same building in both cities. And is just a tunnel sort of stood in a bit like an Arc de Triomphe type of thing. And, you go in one side and come out the other and you have you have lawfully passed from one city to the other and vice versa. Any other way is breach. It's very peculiar. It's <laughs> there, sort of... there,
2: there's an example given of smuggling. Mm. Yes. Uh, if you smuggle something between cities and take it through this checkpoint... Yes. Then it's just smuggling, but if you which it is out a normal domestic, which in one or the yeah. other city, yeah. But if you it out of the window and somebody out from the other city picks it up, then it's breach and it's really serious. Yeah, so and the, the, the supernatural
0: stuff will yeah. get you.
2: So the smugglers all follow the rules.
0: They're all very meticulous about getting proper visas to get through the, the central checkpoint. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they they go to the big conflag of leaders between the two cities, and the leader of, of old the leaders of old Coma managed to do some investigation on there, and they've got their own police and so on and they pass back a whole load of information about the the woman it turns out she is is it canadian or american oh, one of the canadian girls. Yeah. So she's she's actually a an a a, a a sort of academic student who's been working on a on an archaeological dig site in the other city in Olcoma, Uh and for some reason she's fetched up dead on the other side of the uh the other side of the uh, the breaching. Ah but she's famous
1: for having already been in Bejel and kicked up a load of fuss by saying things that shouldn't be said in an academic meeting. Mm. Because that's what yeah that's what everybody had heard of her because she was a troublemaker
0: uh so some so borderline political dissident. because there's undercurrents mm-hmm. in both cities of, of, of fringe groups who, who like unificationists who want the cities to become one uh, who are not really taken seriously and they they they're borderline illegal and prescribed organization anyway and then there's uh, organizations of nationalists who want the whole city to just be you know just the one city or the other it's so there's sort of political undertones going on there, but I never really felt those were particularly relevant or arresting enough. I mean, I have trouble remembering those, to be honest, thinking back. Yeah,
1: but they had, it was a really nice world set up because that's exactly how you can imagine an Eastern European city Dealing with this kind of thing, you're going to have it's rebels a and, certain degree and, of and yeah, yeah. Dis- dissidents on both sides who are going to bitch about it between <coughs> themselves. Make sure they always get the paperwork right, mm. and you know, for, obey the stupid rules on the surface.
0: And there are a and, lot of stupid rules. Oh, in the absolutely. City, yeah.
1: But the, the way that everybody behaved was mm. entirely believable as this is how humans would work Internally in consistent. this kind of stupid world.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, which, is, which is a very sort of highly skilled world-building thing. It's one thing mm. to come up with a massive, big, stupid object and then put a society living in and around it. But to, to actually be able to write believable reactions and day-to-day lives that integrate with the weird, stupid object is, is quite a skill, you know. You yeah. don't just have people going about their normal lives like they would... Nowhere near the big stupid object. It has also has an effect. Yeah, he on also did a brilliant job.
1: He also did a brilliant job of actually making almost everybody you meet throughout the entire book interesting and, in many many cases, sympathetic by the end of the time you you meet them.
0: Mm, mm, um, everyone people, was believable. Yes.
1: Yeah. Really, really good writing.
0: <laughs> yeah. So now, knowing who she is, uh, Marley O'Geary, they the, the the authorities contact the American consulate and so on, and uh, the her parents arrive, and there's the uh, the the almost sort of. By the numbers, trope tastic sort of uh, parents in the, in the in the mortuary looking under the shroud. Yes, the identity, that kind of thing. We go through those scenes as just to sort of remind ourselves: that is, yes, this is an ongoing police investigation, despite the increasingly weird stuff that's going on with the whole sort of geographical cities on top of each other thing going on. And and then so these these this is quite interesting because these two this this American couple come to this weird city, don't really understand any of the rules. I think do they get any training? Uh, yeah, they don't because
1: thing. they don't because they've come to collect their daughter. Normally, it takes a couple of years of training before yeah, you can yeah. go into the city. Th- they they get a very courses
0: before yeah. immigrants are allowed to come to this city yeah, they because they have to learn the They get a very brief rules. overview, but yes.
1: are then assigned people
2: because they don't Minders. have any of the uh, training because unseeing things isn't easy. Yeah.
0: And yeah, the the sort of descriptions of the car journeys around the city, you can, you know, Borloo can tell that the the, the pet, these these Americans are looking out and seeing things they shouldn't be seeing, mm-hmm. but he sort he 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 ignores it because that's what you're supposed to do. Anyway, so frustrated by this just Bonkers city with its weird rules. the The father breaks out of the hotel room at night and and causes a breach. He you know, crosses a he, he goes out the window and crosses a section of city he's not meant to. And of course, breach the organization breach have been watching him the whole time because they know something like this is probably going to happen. And then they they take him, and it's all left deliberately vague and mysterious. He's, he's you know he's he, the, he, the next morning he's just sat there. Do they drug him or something? He's unconscious. He, they they, they, are, they interrogate him.
1: Magic. They do something magic something. to him.
0: Yeah. The, or at least
1: that was. My interpretation the first yeah. time is he's Some, sort of he's zombified happened. out of it by something.
0: Yeah. yeah and because because it's just they're just tourists and they you know they don't know better they, they are they're, they're they're merely deported instantly they're basically taken to the airport and put on the next plane out and this is immensely frustrating their daughter's just been murdered no one's told them anything useful and and now they now they're, they've they've done something weird and, and and immediately being gotten rid of so you know the, the, the mother makes a sort of impassioned plea to borlu to, to please find out what happened as they're being bundled onto the plane and, and that's the end of that they are, they're gone but it was
1: also another totally believed Believable thing yes. that is how Americans would behave. Well, most so any outsiders not used to the city, but specifically Americans in Europe, mm. behaving at the Iron Curtain border, mm. tend to act in a stupid way that other people don't, and end up getting into trouble. Mm. Um, it's sort of it's like people trying to sort of cross checkpoint charlie in berlin because oh i'm american i can go where i want you know mm-hmm. it's that kind of behavior um, of can i yeah.
2: just say i seem to remember somebody's talking about accidentally going into eastern germany
1: yeah no it was i i <laughs> I, I, I was uh, when i was quite young mm-hmm. i was going for a walk in germany in west germany mm-hmm. and uh, on the okay. walk i then we then noticed a signpost saying uh, warning minefield! You are now entering West <laughs> Germany, and I have and I was oh. in Czechoslovakia.
0: Oh right, okay. Um, so yeah, I, uh, then we we carefully. <laughs> so you've got went... a certain empathy for characters <laughs> in this, this piece. Yeah. yeah. So we carefully
1: wow. went back along the path that we'd taken, and and then we we didn't take that route again. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so. Um... Moving <laughs> swiftly on. Uh, so Borloo basically takes it kind of personally after this sort of impassioned plea and decide that him and Cowrie carry on working on the case. And they work out that the van was one of three that was stolen and then abandoned. But this one was used because it had the right paperwork to use at the crossing point.
2: I love the deduction on how yeah. they got the van.
0: yeah. Yeah, because there yeah. were some Patsy who owned the van and had it stolen. They initially hauled him in and gave him the, the, the full grilling because they thought he might have done it. But he, his van was stolen and, you know, eventually they believe but it him. Was, and,
1: but it was also, to sort of it, it was a sign that the powers that be might have some responsibility because yeah. it was the three vans they looked for mm. had, had been stolen. Yeah. And the first two had been sort of, got just dumped and the third one was the one that was used yeah but these three were driven by people who were in the past guilty of leaving their paperwork in the van uh, so it had to be somebody re- internal somebody official who knew yeah. it yeah Th-
2: that was a really I didn't, I didn't neat idea that. <laughs> that covered the, the two aspects yeah. how yeah. they found the van and there's a big conspiracy. But it ties here. into the thing
0: about the smuggling. is like whoever's, whoever's done this has been absolutely scrupulous about not breaching. because. But then they did breach because they'd done the mm-hmm. body. But, but, we but come it's to also that,
1: good, yeah. a good sign that these are good policemen who are, you know, they're good at their jobs and they can work things out from very, very little <laughs> evidence.
2: Yeah. It also, you should point out, no, they didn't breach. There was no well, breach not, not intentionally. Point. No, there's no accidental breach either. Uh, because <laughs> of the papers, the body was brought in legally. It was smuggling a, a, and carrying a body across. It wasn't a breach. It was oh. the lesser of the crimes.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. um, anyway, so Borloo Borloo presents all this to his superiors, and uh, then if basically gets sent to Old Coma to carry on investigating. So and this this basically forms the en- yeah the end of uh, the end of the first the first part. So the next part is 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 Balu, having been on it's like a refresher course? I think he has to spend about two weeks in a, in, a, in a little conference centre learning, you know, relearning because he's been to the other city before, but a long time ago, and he has to basically do a refresher course in in because basically what Ballu now going to have to do is go to the other city and unsee his home city, which is the same city. And we get yeah, the first couple of chapters of part two are he says, yeah. you know, f- essentially him trying to get his head around this, which is, you know, he's a he's, a, he's, a, he's a sort of grizzled detective of 20 years working in one city. And now he has to not see that and see all the other stuff that he spent the previous 20 yeah. years <laughs> learned, teaching himself not and, and to and he's see. A pain and in it is the, the same
1: thing. Yeah, he's rubbish and a complete pain in the ass for the people on the other side. <laughs> he does all the things you don't want him to do. He goes off on his own. He Oh, yeah. Oh, he's, a, yeah he's, he a, get- he's a nightmare.
0: It gets paired up with a, his, his sort of his counterpart on the other city, a, a chap called Inspector Dat, um, who's who's part of the uh, old Qom, uh militia, militia, whatever, the sort of police force, basically. Uh, and and it's, it's it's apparent that the other city is more prosperous. They've they've managed to snag some sort of recent ca- foreign capital investments, so there's a lot more skyscrapers and technology and glass and so on, and they're yeah. driving the way better he, cars. The way
2: he describes it is, it's gone from seeing really old. Uh, Eastern European cars and Mm. the occasional pony and trap to uh, having really modern cars and um, uh, they've completely been uh, jumped by them technologically wise. And that's quite important.
0: There's a sort of leapfrogging going on, and I suppose part of that's essential for the whole unseeing thing, because in order to unsee what you're not supposed to be seeing, you have to know that what you're seeing is something you shouldn't be seeing in the first place, which is why the Sioux <laughs> cities, I suppose, can't be very similar in technology style and dress. And stuff, yeah, there's different styles know.
2: of architecture, there's yeah. colours and dress.
0: Which Certain colours, yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: So uh, as you grow up, you're trained to know what to look for and what mm-hmm. is wrong.
0: Yeah, so yeah, they, they, we meet Dat, who's he's, he's very much a loose cannon cop, and it's you almost get the impression that the police on the in the old coma side are a lot more uh, a lot more. Oh, I don't know about don't know about corrupt necessarily, but they're not they're not afraid of you know pushing people downstairs to get confessions or now, you know, see, slacking people about that y- kind of thing. Yes
1: and no, is that I think just actually? That? I think actually no, Dat is a bit like one of the policemen on the uh, Bajel side, uh, Nowstin. Who oh, yes, who is yes. exactly the same kind of policeman. They're almost identical. So <sighs> both sides probably are like that. It just happens to be that Borloo isn't like that. Oh, uh, right. So I reckon that that is probably just... An example of a policeman over there, and they're not necessarily any more corrupt or a violent. way of doing in, things. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So, yeah. So the investigation carries on in this this weird, strange, inverted alien city, which is his own city. Uh, and they go to the, the the university dig site and talk to some of the uh, the professors there, the university staff, and, and the, the various students who've all been sort of dig do, sort of working on this dig site. And they've been finding, and it's it's this really weird sort of quirk of fate. But most of these relics and and ancient finds that they've been digging up happened, happened to be in the old coma parts of the city and not the betzel parts so which is why you know they there is all going on over there and not in his own city um and these, these dig sites they're finding weird clockwork devices along in the same sorts of strata as Neolithic bones and stuff so there's a bit of sort of odd weirdness going on there and then if we start hearing about hints of um this this mythical third city <laughs> just when, just when it wasn't confusing enough we start to hear about this place called Orsini which is a, a, a third city that's sort of mythological on both sides and no, no one really knows anything about it or yeah, believes yeah. it Both sides ignore it <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> Everyone's sure it's a fantasy. <laughs> but you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, if 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 the people in this city can't see that city, what's to say there isn't a third city in there? So there's a sort of hint of of hang on, what's going on here? Believability about it as we're as we're going through this stage. So we meet uh, Professor Bowden and Professor Nancy there to to the uh, sort of people in charge of the dig site and uh, and a, a number of a uh, number of students. And it turns out that Malia's friend has gone missing, a woman called Yolanda. Uh, which you know immediately starts getting the uh, <laughs> the suspicions. Polo you know, immediately ties this together and starts to starts to wonder about that and work out and do more detectoring as well. Uh, I can't quite remember what happens there. So they go off to, so to they get leads for these unificationists. Is that, is that on this side or the other side? I'm That's the other side. They,
1: they'd already talked to unificationists on the previous I thought the, side, I thought and therefore they the went
0: People they were talking to. Well, yeah, but they're, they're still the oh, same
1: sort of effect on both oh, sides. They on both sides, yeah. So they'd done on one side, and therefore they were going to see the same sort of people on the other side because there was probably a link. Mm. And I, it was about this stage that it turned out that. The, the dead girl mm, had well, upset yeah. nationalists really. by by being a mouthy foreigner
0: probably
2: yeah <laughs> Said all so, the wrong things to all the wrong people, basically.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. particularly in relation to, relation to this Orsini thing. She'd been really sort of getting quite obsessed about the Orsini thing. Now, the, Professor Bowden had rec- a, a long time ago written a book about Orsini, bringing together all sorts of myths and legends about it. And and that had gone down quite badly, and he generally sort of ruined his own academic reputation on the whole thing, because oh, most and, people and regarded there was a it as a subtle there was a
1: subtle hint that this was an important book, because the book was called The City and the City.
0: Yeah, which, title drop.
1: Which coincidentally is the name of this book. <laughs> Book as well. go. Yep. It's a subtle thing that you should always look out for
0: in books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's hard <laughs> if, if, to spot sometimes, but if, if the title the of name. the thing you're reading turns up in the text, it's probably important, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so basically Balu does a bit of... Uh, he, he goes he goes off wandering on his own in a quite a risque manner regarding Breach and so on, and he manages to work out that the, the the guard, one of the security guards of the site, is acting a bit odd, and so he follows him. And it turns out this security guard is the boyfriend of the missing Yolanda, and by, by a bit of basic detective following type stuff, he ends up uh, finding Yolanda, who's basically again.
2: That was quite clever, and a bit of detecting, and which mm. I quite liked. Mm. Yeah,
0: and he sort of basically follows the security guard back to this this sort of safe house that Yolanda is actually alive and hiding in, because she believes that Orsini is out to get her in some fashion. That she thinks she knows too much. She thinks that Marlia knew too much, and that's why she got killed. Um, at which point Borlu then decides that he's going to try and smuggle Yolanda out from Olcova to. Betzel, I couldn't quite work yeah. out why. Because he's got
1: contacts over there to he's get better. her out of the right. city, gotcha. whereas over here he's only been here twice and he's rubbish. He's on his <laughs> so, own, yeah, effectively.
0: He yeah. doesn't really know or trust anyone, yeah. So he manages to get Gat, uh, Dat, not Gat, that's... Um, that's oh, yes, Blade Runner, isn't it? Um, <laughs> just to get that <laughs> involved, hey, Philip K. Dick. Uh, and and they, they dress Yellander up as a sort of police t- police detective and take her in, to the border crossing, and then it all kicks off. So at the border crossing, they look up and they see down. So the border crossing is just a big tunnel with you know, checkpoints and customs guards and so on, and pe- cars and people go through it and come out the other side in the other city. And Bor- Borley looks up and sees out in the other city uh, a chap kneeling on a, on a nearby hill with a rifle. Uh, and, and he shoots and kills Yolanda, injures Gat, uh, Gat. Mm. Um, and,
1: but as well at mm. that point, Professor Bowden, who had written this stupid book, mm. was also acting and beha- believed that he was in danger and was hiding. Oh, he'd gone missing as well, not he? He'd gone missing, and he actually turned up with them. At the shooting, so he was also possibly a target for the shooting.
0: ah uh, right. So, uh, yeah, so Yolanda gets killed. Borlu doesn't take this line down, and, and there's chaos, confusion, people running everywhere, and Borlu legs it out in oh, the old coma It should side. be mentioned
2: at this point that the crime is committed without committing breach.
0: Yes, yes, it is, again.
2: Yeah, uh, they're going out of their way not to breach.
0: If, if, if you were in one city and you shot someone in the other city, that would be a breach, unless you did it through this checkpoint tunnel, which uh, no breach occurs. The bullet itself would have been a breach, but not not if you shoot through the checkpoint, which is what happens. So Borloo uh, so legs it out to try and chase him, goes to the car and tries to tries to go, through, but he ends up going round the building instead of through it. And then what follows is this chase sequence, which essentially has the, the perp, you know, the guy with the rifle... In Betzel, with Borlu in Olcoma, and he's he's trying to sort of surreptitiously peripheral vision not notice the guy he's actually chasing, because these are happening in the same physical location. Just one of them's in one city, and one of them's in not in the other. And any direct, you know, any direct arrest or, or tackle or whatever or shot would would be a breach. So they, they end up sort of chasing each other through the city with sort of weird half glances and trying not to to, to look like you know, sort of an exercise in nonchalance on both sides and then the the gunman gets to a point uh, a total an area that's total in Betzel which means basically there's no equivalent place in Ulquoma. the crosshatch areas are where this the, the street is, exists in both cities whereas a total area means only one or the other so basically it means he'd get away and, and Borloo wouldn't be able to follow him at which point Borloo driven to frustration just shoots him <laughs> Gets a gun out, bang, shoots him. Uh, at which point he com- he has committed a massive breach, seen by lots and lots of people. Strange people appear out of thin air and grab him, and just keep saying "breach, breach" at him. And and we uh, fade to a to a part of part two and beginning of part three. He's been taken by breach. Quite exciting that part. I really, I, mm. quite, I love that. It's really good. It's
1: the first time you actually see the magic. Yes, because people appear out of nowhere, and you know mm-hmm. they're they're spooky.
0: Because it's been built up so much over the sort of previous two thirds of the book as to this sort of oh gosh, what's happening? What's happening? So, yeah, uh, so yeah, I guess we get. Well, this whole episode is quite spoilery, I imagine. But So, <laughs> probably should have said something at the start. Anyway, no, I, uh, I if think you don't all want to know what
1: to be is, uh, we can't well, really talk about a book uh, well, without dealing this is with why the plot. I do
0: try and announce at the end of an episode what we'll be doing next time, just to give people a chance to read. So, Breach, yes, part three, entitled Breach. Uh, Borley wakes up in this grey cell, with it, and, and he's basically being continually interrogated and um, examined by a chap who calls himself Ash Hill, who's. An Member of Breach,
1: who seems to have supernatural powers. Mm. All the people in Breach seem to be able to sort of—they—they they have the Buffy the Vampire Slayer ability to throw somebody twenty times their weight across a room without showing any signs of gravity on their side.
0: And it's implied that Ashiel already knows everything that Borloo could tell them because he's like not know, drugged him or you know hypnotised him or some mm-hmm. some unspecified thing. Um, at which point they're trying to so. Um, to... Buller manages to convince Ashill to to continue investigating this thing. You know, he's been trying to get Breach to step in all the way through this investigation, despite no actual breach happening as such. Um, I, I yeah, I, so we get a little bit of a tour of some of Breach's facilities and also their abilities as well. And it's really quite interesting how, I suppose, deliberately anticlimactic a lot of that is.
1: Yeah, yeah it was it was odd it wasn't what you were expecting
0: mm, i was mm. expecting
1: you know elves high elves elrond on a <laughs> on a throne somewhere or matter transporters or closing exactly. devices or that sort no. of thing and No,
0: they're just out walking around he's got some keys that open most locks you know he's and and they talk to each other on on, on, on walkie talkies and radios and so on and there's a there's a load of other breach agents sitting there and doing their things and so on um so they basically try and get to the bottom of what's going on uh you know and so, so at this point boy is sore of investigating his own crime it's it's because breach are very clear on their jurisdiction they only investigate breaches they won't they won't step in or do anything about murder you know conventional murders or any any normal sorts of crime but because borloo has basically made his own breach a vast part of the overall conspiracy it it empowers Ashild to be able to help him continue investigating what's going yeah. on, mostly just to just to get the full facts of what of Borloo's crime at this point, because Borloo at this point is in custody. He's, you know, he's being followed around by an agent yeah, of Yeah, and locked
1: in a cell when he's not accompanied. Yeah, yeah. But as well as that, it also, as this goes on, shows that Borloo is actually a far better investigator than any of the people in breach who mm. are mythically good at finding out truth.
0: But they're very used to strong arm tactics, shutting yeah. stuff down. They don't really query or investigate they just you know step in do stuff move on um so yeah so then we get sort of essentially uh, what amounts to kind of last sort of t- two or three chapters of uh, exposition borlu managing to piece it all together and work out what's what's happening what's gone on what's really what it's all really about the, Malia's annotated copy of the city and the city has become sort of central to this process and he's reading all sorts of frenzied scribbled notes from Malia in this in the in the notes in the margins of, of Bowden's, one of Bowden's textbooks. And they're becoming increasingly erratic and, and furious and so on. Borloo eventually works out that Malia wasn't killed because she found out about Orsini. It's that she was killed because she found out that Orsini is bollocks. <laughs>
1: yes, which was a brilliant shock at the time. Yes. Because yes. it's been so real mm. in the story up until this point. Yeah. And it set up so many things that you don't
2: know about, like, what is all this technology? How did it all happen? You just think, mm. no, it must be. It has <laughs> to be something big.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it turns out, well, the relics the relics are real, but no one really knows what they actually are. They've been digging up out of things. Just interesting curiosities, old, old bits They're of clockwork like or whatever.
1: anti kythera Antikythera mechanisms, things like yeah, that, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. And... Um, and yeah, the whole Orsini thing, it, well, it probably was a, you know, legends and folk tales in the day, but it had been resurrected by Bowden as a kind of cover for what was really going on. Well, partly that, partly Bowden wanted to, because he, he did the book in the, because he actually believed all this stuff in the, fir- in the first place, which is when he published his original book and got laughed out of the scientific community. And so part of Bowden's big motivation for all this was that he wanted to actually make it become real, in a sense, so sort of, you know, to be able to yeah, turn around and go see. He told himself. Say, yeah, himself, yeah. Also, yeah, the, the money is, a big thing it turns out that what there's a big american investment company who had been funding the dig and they were basically using the whole orsini thing to so so chaos and confusion to cover what they were actually doing which was in cahoots with some of the beds betzel counselors smuggle some of these artifacts out because they, no one's quite sure that these artifacts are indeed just trash they're, 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 there's a potential that they could be some weird alien or magic or ancient super technology or whatever so they've been sort of you know they've, they've set up a modest research project and paying paying for it all bankrolling it and then using that to smuggle these artifacts out of the cities to, to back to america to do a little bit of R and D on it all surprisingly low-key considering all the fuss um yeah.
1: And and surprisingly effective. You know, it's been a good crime. It's worked really well all the way through.
0: Yeah, and Um, Amalia had basically been used as a mule because she'd had access to both cities. And and I think possibly Bowden had been sort of tricking her into thinking that agents of Orsini had been delivering these artefacts to her to smuggle out or to pass on or to whatever. And initially she'd believed it, but then as she sort of dug further into what was going on, she'd worked out that it was all rubbish and she'd basically rumbled the deal, which is essentially why she had to die so i don't like the that, hmm. uh,
2: explanation using the great escape as to how the uh, getting items out was taking
0: place <laughs> <laughs> Well shaking out of the trousers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um also Yolanda was, was Marley's friend and, and she, she she bought into it and believed it and she never rumbled on it. And she she she, she believed the whole thing all right to the end. Um but she also knew too much and had to go as well. Turns out the gunman on the hill was one of the one of the bets nationalists who'd been hired by one of the corrupt bets councillors who was working with the American corporation so while, while this has all been sort of worked out it turns out that the nationalists have been basically hired on by this corrupt governor's courts to start causing some real I think they've got the nationalists on both sides the, yeah, both, both sides were, have been stirred up. Stirred up to start causing some citywide rioting. This basically causes breach to suddenly be really overwhelmed if there's a minor breach is going on all over the place. They're suddenly too busy to do anything. And this is part of the smokescreen, which is, you know, the which Bowden and the American company are using to try and cover their tracks to get everything out. Of course, Borloo isn't fooled by this, and him and Ash will go off to a rooftop to confront the the, the fleeing American businessman and the, uh, the, the the helicopter and the the, the um the corrupt bets councillor fella, mm-hmm. um, and that's that was a fantastic scene. Ashiel gets shot. I think Ashiel Ash shoots the councillor in return, who was going to shoot Borloo. It was a big, big gun battle on the roof and so on. And this American chap in the copter, you know, Ashiel turns and goes, you're, you know, "This this this helicopter is grounded. You're you're in you're in violation of breach and so on." And the American just turns around and goes, "No, I'm not. Shut up." You know, basically, <laughs> no one else contempt. takes breach seriously. Yeah, yeah, he's got absolutely no. <laughs> No qualms whatsoever, and he he, he delivers quite a, quite a pithy, insulting little monologue to 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 Ashil as, as it, you know. No no one outside these weird, freakish cities cares a damn about what your your people are doing. Imagine dec- imagine either of your little cities declaring war on America, and then yeah, he just disappears in the helicopter gone. So, and then we end up, but Bowden's still out there and loose, so Ballou manages to uh, get, get. is it Cowrie finds him, or Gat, basically he's on the phone between they, both of them, you know yeah,
1: he's walking, They, they one of them I think,
0: they find him Gat near first, the checkpoint yeah, yeah
1: Gat first recognises him and then he he then calls Cowrie and they're both in the, their own cities
0: but on the same street
1: yeah, on the same street, seeing Bowden who is they're not sure which city he's in.
0: Yeah, because there's such chaos at the checkpoint. No one knows which city he finally booked in or out of. So he walks, and because he's an expert in the mythology and the the the, 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 way, the way of life and culture of both of the cities, he's able to walk and be in such, his mannerisms are in such a manner that he's walking down the middle of this street, which exists in both cities and no one looking at him can tell which city he's in. And if you grab which, which means person from has the wrong city, you yeah. will be in breach and everyone's terrified of doing that, which means he's just managing to sort of existential Essentially weave his way between two completely different cities down this street and he, his plan is basically just to walk out of both cities to, to, to the mainland continental Europe and, be, and disappear. But Borloo at this point who, who now exists in Breach himself is about the only person who can do anything about it so he, he ended up with this sort of big confrontation on the street and there's the big ah oh, I would have gotten away for it etc you know the big monologue but Bowden's got a, brandishing this weird a, this ancient relic thing at Borlu and threatening him with it and we don't know if it's a gun I think he even says I, I wouldn't quite describe this as a weapon you know and it turns out that that's the thing that he managed he actually bashed the initial you know Mal- Malia to death with in the first place you, can, you know, sees the blood on it but doesn't know if it's some weird alien space gun from from King Arthur's court or any any old crazy <laughs> so but, I th- but at the end Borloo just manages to talk him down and Bowden surrenders and and Borlu B- 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 gets him to decide which city he's in. And he says either. So Borlu grabs him and takes him into breach. <laughs> so uh, and that's that's basically the end. You get this sort of we got this epilogue where Borlu little a little uh, section where Borlu basically is is. is been given little choice because he's now deceased so much of both cities, he's unable to unsee either. And so he, he volunteers to stay on in breach as a, but, as a as yeah. the newest agent. But
1: it also turns out that all the, pe- all the agents in breach are mm. people who've f- committed a breach mm. and been taken yeah. into breach and are then Sort of left in there and have to sort of operators. Well, it's agents. never quite made
0: yeah. explicit what happens to the people who don't join breach. The majority of them, something. I think, happens. But, from, but some some of them stay on and become breach agents. There, yeah. There's a line. Uh, they're probably bundled point. into a van and yeah. dropped off in Czechoslovakia yeah. or something. Yeah.
2: There's a line at this point. No one can admit that it doesn't work. So yes. you don't admit it. Yeah. So it does. If you breach, even if it's not your fault, for more than in the shortest time, you can't come back from that.
0: Mm. There's so, examples, that earlier in the book Borloo explains there are examples about how people accidentally crash buses into people who aren't who shouldn't, they shouldn't be able to see or, you know, so, car crashes are a big thing, you know, people are managing to drive, to drive to uh, drive, they're both in different cities, driving on the same streets and managing to not see each other and yet still not crash into each other and stuff it's insane. And avoiding but, emergency vehicles and... Yes, yeah, if an ambulance from the wrong city comes past you have to somehow manage to get out of the way without acknowledging it's actually there, you know, and, it, and somehow it also <laughs> Seems to function it all seems to tick along it's it's a, it's a mass delusion basically. yeah yeah it's yes it's, it's an astonishing book it's really clever and absolutely meticulous all the way through as well i mean the, just the sheer logical inconsistency of the construction of the place and yet to make the story work and everyone to function within it and not break your own rules as you're writing it shows incredible yeah, well, wit and intelligence you it. say
2: that but i never quite understood how the first phone call tipping him off was in breach
1: because the person on the other end of the phone call was from Ulcoma and no, had no, seen allowed, a poster. Allowed, yes, that's the thing. He'd they're allowed seen to a phone the other about city, the dead because it goes. Person. It
0: goes through an exterior exchange. Oh, because he back. was
2: in breach, then it was breach by association.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think so. And also, the, they were using old maps when they were driving the van to try and get rid of the body in the harbour or whatever and they crashed into a playground that they that shouldn't have been there or something, which sort of kicks yeah. it all off in the first place.
2: Yeah, because at every step, there's meticulous planning to avoid invoking breach. Yes. All of this, all, the entire scheme is to uh, make it completely above board and yeah. then they use an old map which doesn't have a skate park which has been built since the map was made a couple of years earlier and that's where it all starts
1: to unwind i mean Mm. the the criminals are very very clever in this world Mm. for the way they they act um and the the whole book i i went through the whole book believing that it was two cities that were magically superimposed over each other but it's, I, there's I think, no uh, yeah. proof of that. It's well, entirely I, possible to is... view this as purely a social construct and no you know, no magic at all.
0: Well, I think that's almost inevitable in a way. I mean, I, again, I, I, as I was reading through it the first time through, I, I was with you. I thought this is obviously some sort of weird supernatural alien force and we're going to get some massive exposition about a flying saucer underneath the place or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's elves from, from 3,000 years ago or something. Got to the end and I was sitting there and I was sort of flicking back through and reflecting on it and I, I was sitting there thinking, has anything magical actually happened at all in this book even the weird device he's got at the end that's left ambiguous it never functions it's just a weird rusty metal thing with cogs on i we don't that know that that's actually magical
2: i never saw this as mystical it was always this is a political brainwashing type situation where people are told this is how the world is and they go with it <clears throat>
0: Yeah, I mean, because it all becomes particularly apparent during the sections where we're to, you know, we we get to see Breach and and you know the people there working, and you know it's almost said explicitly that it, Breach only works because it, they allow us to happen, they allow it to, mm. to take place. The, the, the whole the whole way Breach move around un, unnoticed is merely is, is simply because they're hiding in everyone's psychological blind spots. They're not actually invisible, and and I guess that American couple wouldn't have seen anything un, unusual or strange, which is why they got busted in a way.
1: And and you can view it from both sides, and both are equally valid. But yeah. from my point of view, if it's purely a psychological device, mm. how did it get to win a Hugo? <laughs> it has to have magic in it, or science fiction in it, or it's in the wrong you
0: know well, that place. Is, that is that is a good point. It is an unusual <laughs> Hugo winner in that it's contemporary. It's entirely psychological. I mean, yes, you could sort of hinge. You could sort of. You could potentially pigeonhole it in magical realism, but has anything magical actually happened? This Is just people tricking themselves? But yes, from a very early age. I mean, there's a lot of sort of grey, fuzzy areas about how did this start, and that's never really explained, and how long has this been going on, and what was the reason for it in the first place? Why have we suddenly got two cities here? Mm-hmm. Some sort of, you know, hundreds mm-hmm. or maybe thousands of years ago. Yeah, people that, was the thing, that was the
1: other thing that, for me, made it feel like there must be yeah, some magic yeah. involved, is... It's. I can't imagine a social construct lasting two thousand years or fifteen hundred years. <clears throat> I can believe it operating for a generation or two, hmm. but eventually
0: people will. But well, there would find, have had to be you know, a big conspiracy. Like three generations back, where all the grown ups yeah. decided to not tell their kids any different. You know, they're all in it together <sighs> to trick their children into thinking this weird thing, and then from there it would self perpetuate.
1: All it needs is <laughs> you get some. Uh, in some people sort of coming in some uh ah brains gone uh it's just a new generation or a new a new group of people turn up the jews yeah. turn up or the you know i don't know the Czechs turn whatever, up or the Visigoths yeah. or whatever yeah. and the 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 city says oh they're non people they're unpeople we, hmm. if we ignore them if we pretend they don't exist then we haven't been <laughs> invaded and so that's, that's how sort of it could have started. An
0: <laughs> ultimate <laughs> passive-aggressive response to an unwanted invasion. Yeah. yeah.
1: When wow, it comes that sort of
0: brings on to the sort of kind of real-life, what are we taking away from this? I mean, is, well, is this a sort of an allegory for, for the things we choose to unsee in our own cities? It, Homeless it, people in shop doorways, yeah, it that is, kind
2: of it, it, it is. It uh, is... A commentary on the fact that we let an awful lot of stuff we shouldn't let slide slide because we're trained not to see it we we don't see people committing crimes we don't see cars speeding we let them do it we don't see uh homeless people because we choose not
0: to mm-hmm. sort of it does definitely and this is sort of become a sort of it's almost like hg wells is sort of exaggerated deconstruction of the class society mm. in 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 the time machine in you know, the morlocks and the Eloy, if if a thousand if if hundreds of generations of that went on to stupid extremes that's what you'd have is is this the sort of more subtle less generationally advanced ex, extreme of of us ignoring stuff in our own lives and our own cities and there's certain mutual ignoring I think there's, of each other. I
1: think there's a lot of that and it's it's but it's subtle enough that it doesn't it's yeah it's beat not you it's over not the, the head big, with it
0: yes and i, I saw a lot of
1: I saw a lot of people online asking, "Well, I know I have heard this is a good book, hmm. but I know Mieville's politics he is, are this. He's very political. Yeah. He's very political. Is that going to be shoved down my throat? Do I am I? You know, would I cope with this book? And actually, from my point of view, I don't think he." he tries to try and he tries to get rid of his politics from this story the things he writes about are there because they fit the story not necessarily because they fit his politics mm.
0: i mean i've always admired his world buildings from sort of street station the scar and iron council onwards i mean a lot of people find him quite pretentious i do know maybe we did a did a podcast about Perdido Street Station. I talked about it on a show a long time ago, and yeah, you know, we got some some various comments. Yeah, you know, some people <laughs> just just can't get on with him at all. They find him quite wordy and, and overly pretentious and so on. But but as a world builder, I mean, I think he's did. Um, I think he's done quite a bit of path. So it's quite a few of the Pathfinder sort of source books he's contributed uh-huh. to. I think some of the uh, River Kingdoms stuff. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, this is much tighter, much more focused. It's less sort of, I, I suppose, self indulgent. Perhaps yeah. the word. It's, it's, he, he is, is tighter, a brilliant yeah. writer. It's he very, is it's very good technical writer, certainly. Yeah, technically a and very good author, the, and the the world building and the imagination are fantastic. But this this does feel much different to those earlier sort of out and out fantasy works. This is a much tighter, more more uh, precise kind of thing. I think.
1: And I, apparently there's a TV show of this coming soon. Yeah,
0: that'll, that'll be interesting. Given given the sort of the sheer mental gymnastics you go through as a, as just reading it written down and described mm-hmm. from a single character perspective, how are they going to possibly do that as as something you watch from the outside on a television?
1: It's going to have to just be all from first-person point of view, isn't
0: it? Well, well, or clever CG to blur things that are yeah, in the no, other city. If you do that, something. then
1: you acknowledge that it is... A magical two cities. Whereas, if you want well, to no, keep that,
2: you don't have. I don't think it'll acknowledge it's magical. It's just you have it, and then when somebody slips a bit, because he constantly slips,
0: yeah. Uh, and, the, and you get the, the whole that idea that unusual. It- you get the impression that probably everyone in these cities yeah. is doing that all the time, but they the, can't let on.
2: The whole idea
0: that it's a absolute thing is a, a total lie. It's
2: everyone can see and
0: does see oh yeah yeah and uh, this is not physical physiological blindness in any sense Pe- the people are noticing it and then they are making themselves unsee it through it through a self yeah self-imposed mental process
2: yeah, and what? i think that would be easier to explain in a tv show than it is in a book i look
0: forward thought to seeing it. it'd be interesting i don't know <laughs> david morrissey is Bolu that might yeah. be interesting <laughs> <laughs> you're not convinced um, yeah i don't know it might work it well, have you depends, the depends what we happen way of comedy accents.
1: He, he, he's got a very impressive Eastern European beard in the uh, oh, okay. in the, uh, the BBC link. Yeah. Oh, we've the got battle the pictures. Is half
0: one. So when is so when when's that coming out? Next that year, must be soon. Allegedly, so they've got pictures of it. They must have filmed a lot of it. Yeah. sounds interesting. One other link I found when I was doing some research for this, I think people might find interesting, is go to Wikipedia and look for uh, Bal Um b-a-a-r-l-e hyphen n-a-s-s-a-u probably a link in the show notes if if, uh, if production can be bothered but um
2: this is this 50, is 50 really
0: <laughs> and this is a town that's on the on the dutch netherland uh, yeah dutch is netherlands dutch belgian border. Well, we're not going <laughs> to that argument again oh i don't know we've been corrected on the, the correct netherlands border <laughs> Um, it's a town that has a fantastic map um, because of various shenanigans over the last sort of many hundreds of years. It's a town where half of it, half of it is in Belgium and has uh, eight little fragments which belong to the Netherlands, and half of it's in the Netherlands and has twenty-two different fragments that belong in the, that belong to Belgium, and this includes individual shots. So I mean, I was, I, was, I, was, I was just thinking of that as I was reading through these things, and this that, that is apparently is a real place, but you don't have to unsee the other side of it. Apparently. It's just convenient for going to the pub at the right time. <laughs> <way. laughs>
1: well, I it happens posts it the does the on borders because yeah. i i on on the welsh or my family come from the welsh borders and there is a, a, a the there of half of it's in wales half of it's in england it actually goes down the middle of the high street the um, and of so the a golf club where you can tee off in Wales and hit across an international border into England Um, and it's the only as far as I know the only golf course in the world where you can hit the ball across an international border and there's a pub with there's a hotel with three bars two of which are in England one of which is in Wales and they all have different licensing hours so the English ones are open on a Sunday and the Welsh one isn't.
0: Mm. So, so I'm guessing there's some sort of inspiration drawn from those, but but this is a, a, just something else again. It's it's it's, it's, it's always sort of vaguely pratchettesque in certain certain aspects as well. The sort of obviously this is all played entirely straight, but I'm sort of thinking of weirdnesses with the unseen university and so on. Uh, oh, I can't, I can't let this go. I'm going to read out the, the, the alternative plot summary, um, <laughs> go just, on, then. Cause, cause it, because if you, if you didn't get any of the last 50 <laughs> minutes, uh, would we you? spent hours working on this. Yeah. This is what I have to work with. Right. <laughs> Dead body found in Betzel because a map was out of date. So a skate park was in the way, a complicated conspiracy is uncovered. Conspiracy turns out to be simple shady business. Borlow turns into pretending to be invisible wizard because it was probably aliens at the start of the city or something, or maybe it's a Doctor Who spin-off. The moral of the story is probably that you only hold power as long as people believe you do, or that you too can become a wizard if you're just willing to break the rules in just the right way. So there we go. Yes. <laughs>
1: Locations? It's complicated. <laughs> Tech? It's, it's complicated. Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: I mean, I thought, I'll thought pick one I've already read recently, and then, then I can rely on these two to help me through. But if I've forgotten bits, but no, then I had to go away and read the whole thing in about half an hour before the show, skimming through. It but, was uh...
1: complicated. Therefore, we, I think our explanation was equally as valid as the one we've just gone through in the last mm. 45 minutes. <laughs>
0: So let's have a quick look at what else was nominated this year. This is the 2010 winner. Uh, it was a joint winner, which is unusual. Uh, the other winner was *The Wind-Up Girl* by Paolo Bacigalupi. Uh, I don't know. That's I'm, I'm terrible. I at, at all the way start, through. is Phil. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know nothing about that, but it was judged to be equally as good as this. So probably uh, something we might come back to.
2: It's a book about biotech um stuff and it sounds quite interesting
0: okay uh other nominees were bone shaker by sherry Bist. uh wake robert j sawyer uh julian comstock a story of 22nd 22nd century america by robert Charles Wilson. uh Palimpsest by uh cest isn't it yes uh, palimpsest by katherine m valente so then none of those are ones i'd heard of apart from china Millville. but uh, you know part of the exercise here for me is to learn more about these people but there was, the, there was yeah. no other massive knockout big stuff Not like, really. you know. But that this is the first
1: um, book that we've done which is a Hugo book that I hadn't read before that I'm really glad I've now read.
0: <laughs> um. I think it's the first book I've recommended that you guys have actually enjoyed so That is thumb, true. Thumbs up there. Yeah. Uh, Don't um, get used to it. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So summing up notes then, what did you think, John, overall?
2: I, I think that it was an incredibly good book and the massive, massive, massive leap of faith it makes you make over how the hell can this happen is covered really nicely, so you just
1: make it. Mm. What do it in TOREG. Well, I, I normally shy away from any book that people tell me is brilliant. It's just a personal <laughs> quirk of I mine. I'm mean, sorry. Yeah. I, I, it's a bad I'm thing. I'm very
0: difficult to recommend but, that, yes.
1: Yeah, but this is as good as Tim says it is. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I, I'm just going to reiterate how awesome I thought this was. It's fascinating, really interesting. The oh, building's really good. There but are the are no story crappy
1: sex scenes. For the no first time in scenes. months, we haven't had any crappy I sex scenes. I don't in believe anyone Hugo has
0: Warden any sex at all during the entire book. I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a good, good recommendation right there. Hugo's sex rarely ends well, as we, as we, we may discover next week. Uh, <laughs> next month, in fact. Uh, next month, for those playing along at home, we're going to be looking at Ringwood. World by larry niven which was the 1971 winner so we're going back in time a bit and uh giant stupid orbital constructions abound
2: i do like halo fan fiction
0: and alien nookie plenty of that <laughs> so uh with that we'll see you next time
1: goodbye
2: cheerio